Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the fifth day of December 2023. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Oh, good to have you with us here this morning. It is 40 degrees outside. I woke up. It was actually, according to my phone, it's warmer outside now than it was when I went to bed last night. So it warmed up during the night. Um, the snow we got over the weekend is is really melting off in a hurry. So now starting to have doubts of a white Christmas, but we're supposed to get more snow. We're actually supposed to get rain this week. I haven't looked at the weather yet for Friday night's game. Sometime on Thursday, I'll have to determine my wardrobe for the game. The uh, The whole question of uh, warm and dry always comes up in uh, going to football games this time of year. So... Uh, That'll be determined Thursday afternoon uh, with uh, a great deal of reliance upon uh, the weather apps on my phone, of which I actually have four. There are four weather apps that I use quite frequently. This goes back to my trucking days when weather was much more important because I was driving through it every day. And so I was constantly checking the weather um, on my route ahead. And for that purpose, I have four different weather apps, which each one serves a different purpose with radar and, and uh, uh, you know, satellite imagery and all of that stuff um, determining, you know, some of them are good for where you're at. Some of them are better for, hey, I want to expand this and look down the road where I'm going. Um and so I ended up using four apps on a regular basis. Actually, I used three. One of them's the Apple app, and that's probably the least one I use. Uh, but I've got uh, three other weather apps. The the one I seem to rely on the most is called Weather Pro, um, and that's that's one that I really like. But using those apps, I will determine what I'm going to wear on Friday night for the football game. Um, looking forward to that. We are playing Furman. Talked about that yesterday. I actually got a complaint yesterday that I talked too much about football. Um, it was joking, of course, but uh, made me think about all the times that uh, Rush Limbaugh when he would talk about football or golf or something, and he'd always get the stick. You called him the stick to the issues crowd, and uh, but you know, 
this is life. We 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 are living life, and we gotta pretty much talk about every aspect of life. Now, I'm gonna do something that I don't normally do. I want to read a Twitter thread. This morning, um, Matt Kennedy, who is a pastor in in New York, he's the rector of an Anglican church in New York, um, the uh, ACNA, the Anglican Church in North America, the Bible-believing Anglicans, which I have talked about before, not your liberal Episcopalians. Um, And uh, Matt and I, 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 I think it was my friend Matt Kennedy, we've interacted online never actually spoken to each other, never met. <laughs> we have mutual friends who I have talked to, but we we have never actually met, but we have interacted online and uh, in, in that way. So I think of him as my friend. There's certainly an internet acquaintance, right? He posted a great Twitter thread this morning. Um, posted it, uh, oh gosh, just about an hour ago. And I was reading it while I was getting ready, and I was like, oh, this is too good. This is too good. So I want to read to you um, Matt's Twitter. His his, uh, Twitter handle is Lambeth981. And it's one of those Twitter accounts which I follow and recommend. He's a thoughtful, thoughtful fellow. Even with our our uh, theological differences on baptism and what and church polity, um, the boys got the gospel right. So we we appreciate that. So he Matt writes, there you are in your car Sunday morning, passing by the inflated Santa Clauses and Rudolphs and the snowmen, listening to Christmas carols having a holly jolly Christmas because it's the most wonderful time of the year. Then you pull into your Anglican church, and where are the lights and the happy music? Why is everything so quiet? Then come the readings, and the sun not shining, and the stars falling from the sky, and how you'd better watch out, not for Santa who's coming to give you presents, but for Jesus who's coming to judge the living and the dead. Next week it's even more cheerful, You'll get John the Baptist with his camel hair suit running around calling people broods of vipers. So you might ask, what's wrong with you people? Well, Advent has been going on since at least the 4th century, meaning the 300s. And he's not saying that, you know, there wasn't any... the Before the 300s, remember, Christianity was outlawed in most of the ancient world. So there wasn't a lot of organization <laughs> And the thought of a church calendar wasn't uh, that big of a thing. It wasn't until the early 4th century when Christianity became legal that people actually started, hey, we can meet openly and talk about these things. And that's when the celebrations like um, Advent began. So he says, well, Advent has been going on since at least the 4th century. If you brought a Christian from the Middle Ages forward in time and he saw the lights and inflatable reindeer, he'd say, what's wrong with you people? It's not Christmas yet. We're dealing here with a clash of liturgical calendars. Everyone's got a liturgical calendar. The one most people follow begins with Halloween season, which starts sometime in August, when the stores put out their skeletons and witches. (laughs) 
That lasts until Christmas season, which begins the day after Halloween. Christmas season goes from Halloween until Christmas Day, with a Thanksgiving hiccup in between. Then there's the short New Year's Eve season until January 1st. Then it's Valentine's Day season, which leads directly to St. Patrick's Day season. Then finally, Fourth of July season, and round we go again. That's the liturgical calendar most people follow, and it seems mostly focused on getting you to buy stuff. The Christian calendar is focused on Jesus. There's no biblical law that says you've got to do it that way, but I think it's good. So this is talking about the church calendar. And he's right. When you look at the church calendar and you look at Advent, which we are in now, it's actually a time of somber reflection until Christmas Day. And it's then you celebrate. Um, but you're, you're, you're in a time of somber, somber reflection on why did we need a Savior? That's an important... T- so the church calendar and the scripture readings and the, the, the liturgies and stuff for the more formal-minded uh, churches, they are fairly somber this time of year. And then comes the joy of Christmas Day. Now, our church, a a non-denominational independent Bible church, um, Baptist in theology, you know, I liked it when I walked in Sunday morning and saw the Christmas tree and all the light, you know, all the Christmas decorations up in the sanctuary. I like that. And, And I'm not, you know, doom and gloom, somber guy when it comes to Advent, but, you know, Matt does make a good comparison between the, the, the liturgical calendar of the world, the season we follow, which, uh, sadly enough, is also the liturgical calendar of a lot of quote-unquote evangelical churches, whereas, you know, uh, Valentine's Day approaches, you're getting all the uh, the messages on how to have a great marriage, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, as 4th of July approaches, you get, you know, some patriotic rah, rah, rah stuff in some of them. Or you get anti-patriotic rah, rah, rah stuff in other places. And then, you know, I mean, it's just, a, you know, around tax time, you get the series on, on how to... Uh, uh, your finances, and then in the fall you're getting a series on youth as school is getting ready to kick back on, and they're following a liturgical calendar too. The ancient liturgical calendar, which starts at Advent, is a a, a much more important to the life of the Christian, I think, and it's it's something that. Uh, it would do us well to contemplate this time of year. So I wanted to bring that up. Thought that was a great thread. Wanted to share it with you. Point you toward Matt's Twitter. If you don't follow him, um, it would be a good thing to do that. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have... Daily Scripture Reading. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. 
and it's Study Bible Level Bible Study. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 19, 1 through 13. We finished chapter 18 last week, and now we're pushing on into chapter 19. So let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, excuse me, righteous and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, and it is time for our daily Bible reading. Um, we are we started that yesterday. We're reading a chapter a day and a psalm a day. And uh, so today we are in Genesis 2 and Psalm 2. And I'm going to be um, using the uh, literal word app as opposed to the paper Bible just because it's a little bit more convenient. Still going to be using the paper Bible for the, the Bible study, but uh, for the reading, I'm using the, the literal word Bible app. So Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. And on the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because on it he rested from all his work which God had created in making it. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that Yahweh God made earth and heaven, now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet grown, for Yahweh God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a stream would rise up from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then Yahweh God formed man from formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and so the man became a living being. And Yahweh God planted a garden in Eden toward the east, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground Yahweh God caused to grow every tree that is desirable in appearance and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that went around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Now the gold of that land is good. The bedillium and the onyx stone are there. And the name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that went around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris. It is the one that went east of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. 
Then Yahweh God took the man and set him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. And Yahweh God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may surely eat. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat from it. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then Yahweh God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground Yahweh God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky. And he brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So Yahweh God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And Yahweh God fashioned the rib which he had taken from the man into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, This one, finally, is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, because this one was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. And now Psalm 2. When I get there. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage, and the peoples meditate on a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord mocks them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahweh. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like a potter's vessel. So now, O king, show insight. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he become angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. All right, that is our scripture reading for today. And now, our daily reading in the life of Christ from John MacArthur. As I have to navigate through the apps. There we go. That's the one we want. This is, uh, today's devotional is a right understanding of God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10b To understand God's will rightly, we need an attitude of righteous rebellion. If we would pray that God accomplishes his will, we must reject the notion that sin is normal, and therefore we must accept it. Instead, we must righteously rebel against the world's ungodliness, its unbelief of Jesus Christ, and believers' disobedience. Not to do this is to abandon key biblical teachings and accept powerlessness in prayer. Jesus was not resigned to the spiritual status quo. 
He preached and acted against sin. When Jewish leaders profaned God's house, he made a scourge of cords and drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. John two fifteen and 16. We further must rebel against the idea that wickedness and corruption is somehow God's will that we must passively accept. Nothing evil comes from God's hand, but only from Satan's. To ask that righteousness and God's will be done oftentimes means we have to pray for Satan's will to be undone. See Psalm 68.1 and Revelation 6.10. To pray with a right understanding of God's will is to pray believing that he hears and answers our prayers. Lack of such faith is one of our greatest hindrances to effective praying. Ask yourself. Yes, to pray for God's will to be done on earth, we must first make sure it's being done in us. What are some aspects of God's will that are unheeded in your own heart, even though they are far from mysterious, very clearly laid out in Scripture? Make this your prayer today, that his will would be done in you. Very important word there. All right. I need to pause for just a moment. I will be right back. Of course there's bad churches. Um, Then go find a good one. And if you have to drive to get to it, then it's worth the drive, I would say. You know, so get in your car and go. I mean, how bad do you want it? I mean, how important is the truth to you? And I am back. I apologize for that. My nose was running. I had to go catch it. All right. Our prayer for the reading of the word, which is the colic for the second Sunday in Advent. So this is going to be the colic we're going to hear every day next week. Um thought about moving this to before the daily scripture reading and doing it every day. Um, still up in the air on that. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line at squirrelchatter at protonmail.com. Love to hear from you. Or you can find me on uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Gab and Gitter are the four social media areas where you're most likely to find me. You can leave me a comment on Truth Social, and I'll probably see it in a week or two. Um, I just don't get over there every day. Uh, So our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, we are resuming our study Bible level Bible study. We are in Deuteronomy 19, looking at the first 13 verses today, which is all about the cities of refuge. Again, this is Moses taking the law of God and taking it from the context of Israel all living together in one camp, 
a very big camp, but yet alone one camp. And taking the law and now applying it to Israel, who is soon going to be dwelling far and wide in the land. And so this is about the cities of refuge. We will begin. This is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. When Yahweh your God cuts off the nations whose land Yahweh your God gives you, and you dispossess them and settle in their cities and in their houses, you shall set apart three cities for yourself in the midst of your land, which Yahweh your God gives you to possess. You shall prepare the roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land, which Yahweh your God will give you to inherit, so that any manslayer may flee there. Now this is the case of the manslayer who may flee there and live. When he strikes down his friend without premeditation, not hating him previously, as when a man goes into the forest with his friend to cut wood, and his hand swings the axe to cut down the tree, and the iron head slips off the handle and strikes his friend so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of blood pursue the manslayer when his heart is angry and overtake him because the way is long, and strike down his life, though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated him previously. Therefore, I am commanding you, saying, You shall set apart three cities for yourself. Now if Yahweh your God enlarges your territory, just as he has sworn to your fathers, and gives you all the land which he promised to give to your fathers, if you, being careful to do all this commandment, which I am commanding you today, to love Yahweh your God and to walk in his ways all your days, then you shall add three more cities for yourselves besides these three. So innocent blood will not be shed in the midst of your land, which Yahweh your God gives you an inheritance, and blood guiltiness be on you. But if there is a man who hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him and rises up against him and strikes down his life so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of his city shall send and take him from there and give him over into the hand of the avenger of blood, that he may die. You shall not pity him, but you shall purge the blood of the innocent from Israel, that it may go well with you. All right, so this is talking about what in modern uh, legal language we would call the difference between manslaughter and murder. So, um, or, you know, accidental death versus premeditated murder. Um, and even, you know, crimes of passion, you know, uh, the, where, you know, the, 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 the event described here is an accidental death. You know, you and a friend go off in the woods to, to chop wood, you're chopping wood, the ax head flies off your ax hits your buddy, you didn't mean to, he dies. So this is the thing. So this is all about, you know, the the social order, interpersonal relationships. Um, this is a, a section of, the, of Deuteronomy that is going to go through chapter 23, where Moses is dealing with basically day-to-day -day stuff, but he starts out with the hard one. He starts out with, with murder. 
Now, back in Numbers 35, we have the cities of refuge laid out, and I'm not going to go there and look at that. We're already dealing with a, a large enough passage today. But there's a, you know, if you want more details about the city of refuge, Moses goes into more details back in Numbers 35. But he says here in, in verse 2 that there are three cities that are to be set aside in the land of Canaan that, that God was giving them. Three cities of refuge. And these were to be spread out so that they weren't too far from anybody. One of the cities of refuge would be, you know, close enough for you to flee to if you were in this situation. Now, the whole thing is, now, we, we know that these three cities are west of the Jordan. There were already three cities east of the Jordan. That, that, that was back in chapter 4, we talked about that. So we've already got three cities east of the Jordan. Now we have three cities west of the Jordan. And the provision for three more cities as Israel expands to take the whole of the land that God had promised. So how this works is there is a person called the Avenger of Blood. The Avenger of Blood seems to be an official position of, you know, kind of a cross, kind of, you know, almost like a bounty hunter. You're going to go out and bring them back dead or alive. Um, the Avenger of Blood would be a, a law enforcement official who would track down and kill killers. And it, while it's a, a, an official position, it also seems to be an official position of the family or clan. Um, remember, the organization of Israel is, is not territorial as much as it is tribal. Each tribe had a territory, but it wasn't the territory that defined you. It was the tribe you were in. And each tribe was further subdivided into clans and families. This was the structure of Israel. And so, you know, there is, there is a geographical structure, but there's also a familial structure. And so the Avenger of Blood is a position in a family or clan, which is why it can be an emotional thing. It says that, uh, um, um, he says uh, in verse 6, Lest the avenger of blood pursue the manslayer when his heart is angry and overtake him because the way is long. So this, this position as avenger of blood is not a dispassionate position. Um, it's not the whole idea that justice is blind. This is somebody who is, you know, emotionally invested in avenging this crime. But it is an official position, and the death that they deal out is not considered murder. Um, but the manslayer is to flee to the city of refuge. 
And it is only in the cities of refuge that the manslayer is um, safe from the avenger of blood. So these are these are uh, long before San Francisco and New York, God had established sanctuary cities, but for a completely different purpose. And so if there was an accidental death, then this was where you would go. And there's all sorts of provisions about you had to, you, you couldn't leave there. If the Avenger of Blood caught you outside the city and killed you, that was perfectly legal. Um, which seems strange. But I think it, it's the case that um, if we go back to Genesis 9 and look at the provisions for the death penalty, where it says that, you know, if a if a animal kills a man, God will require the the death of the animal. And if a man kills a man, God requires his death. Um but the instrument for doing that is other men and they're not guilty of murder. Um so there is the case, even in a case of accidental death, there is, you know, a, a blood guilt. And so while the person would not be put to death, and it says here they're not deserving of death, um, they were to be sequestered in one of these um, cities of refuge until the death of the high priest. So, you know, it could be a year, it could be five years, it could be 20 years, 30 years. You know, if there's a young high priest who just became priest, you may be there a while. Um, so there was a consequence, even to an accidental death, as there should be. Um, but it's not a deliberate murder. Now, in the case of deliberate murder, if somebody, you know, murders somebody, and, and, and remember, murder is defined as the unjustified taking of a life. So it is not murder if someone attacks you and you kill them in self-defense. That's not murder. It's not murder if you are one of the people who are tasked with executing a criminal. That's not murder. It's not murder if you're a soldier in battle and you take a life. That's not murder. Murder is the unjustified taking of a life. Specifically, you hate somebody and you're out to kill them. Um, used to watch the, the show Castle um, when it was on, the, the murder mystery uh, show where the, you know, Nathan Fillion plays a, a mystery writer who is working with the New York police to solve murders in a totally unrealistic thing, but, um, but a good show. Um, but he's, a, he's an advisor to the NYPD. But there's a, one of the things that used to happen all the time was they had a, uh, um, that he had a, a, regular poker game with other mystery writers. 
And it was always fun because the other guys at the table were real mystery novelists. Like, um, uh, uh, oh, I can't, I can't think of a name right now. Uh, Michael Connolly was one. Um, who else was sitting there? But th- it, there were two or three actual real mystery writers who were sitting around the table in these poker game scenes with Nathan Fillion. And that was really kind of fun, you know, giving him a cameo like that. And, uh, but he was having a hard time solving a murder. He was having, and they were talking about it over the poker table. And one of the other writers says, Hey, there's, there's, you're, you're obfuscating things too much. He said, there's really only three reasons why people kill other people. Says they kill them out of passion, love or hate, you know, that, that, that drives there's a there's passion, there's money, and there's to cover up another crime. <laughs> Those are the three basic motives for murder. And uh, after he said that, I started thinking about it, and you know he's right. You know, there's there's passion, which covers everything from, you know, killing a cheating spouse and and his or her lover to you just don't like Bob down the street, and so you take him out. There's a, you know, the, 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 it's, a, it's an overwhelming emotion that drives you. I just, I hate him. That's what it described here. You hate your neighbor. You lay, lay in wait in the forest, waiting for your neighbor um, so that you can take him down. It says, uh, there's a man who hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him and rises up against him and strikes him down his life, you know, strikes down his life so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities. He's not to be given refuge. Um, so that's, you know, he just hates his neighbor. So he's taking him down. And then there's covering up another crime. <laughs> Why did they kill him? He knew too much. You know, um, you know he was going to talk. You know, it was, it was you know, that, and that would cover, you know, Killing a witness before a trial so that they can't convict you. You know, you think about all these. There's, those are the three basic, you know, passion, money. You know, you kill somebody for money. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the will. I'm due to inherit a lot of money. So maybe it's time to, to kick off grandpa. You know, uh, there's, um, or even just, you know, you're going to rob a place or something and you're, you're, you know, killing the security guards to get in. All of those are, you know, would go under money and then to cover up another crime. So those, those are the basis for premeditated murder. And so if somebody is guilty of murder, they are not given refuge in the city. The elders of the city where the crime was committed send to the city of refuge. And and this is basically extradition. They would send somebody there and they would say, okay, this was the crime. Here's the evidence. He did it. He doesn't deserve refuge in the city of refuge. This was not an accidental death. This was intentional. He needs to come back and face the music. And, again, the Avenger of Blood has to be sent out 
on the basis of two or three witnesses. And we're going to get into that tomorrow because that's the, the next point. But we've already seen it earlier in Deuteronomy that the fact of the matters, excuse me, the facts of the crime have to be established on the basis of two or three witnesses. So the avenger of blood is a official position and he is sent out after the murderer by the elders in the gates of the city after they have established the facts on the basis of two or three witnesses. So there is a legal process here. The avenger of blood doesn't just take it in on, on him, take it upon himself to go after somebody because somebody has been killed. It is there. There is a legal process that underlies all this, even though it's not explicitly put out here. But these cities of refuge were to be established. They were actually to be governed by, if I remember correctly, the Levites. So a city of refuge, even if it was in, say, Judah's territory, it would be a Levitical city. So it's it's not under the control of any of the tribes, even the tribe in the territory. Um, it's under the control of the Levites for the purpose of being a city of refuge. So there's all sorts of stuff about it. Like I said, go back to numbers 35 and 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 take a look at the stuff there um it, it's an important concept it's not one we talk about much um but it is an important concept that there was and and it it comes down to the fact that there was due process there was punishment for the guilty but there's also protection for the innocent so you have um, both things that are taking place here. Now, again, it says that if, as Israel expands, more territories were to be set, set aside. Um, it says the, the, the boundaries promised to Abraham. It goes back to Genesis 15, 18 through 21. And we've looked at that. So, you know, a total of nine cities of refuge for the whole of the promised land would ensure that one was close enough for everyone to flee to in this thing. So we will get into chapter, uh, verse 14 tomorrow and we'll look at the rest of this. So that is our study Bible level Bible study for today. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The colic for the... Oh, this is... I didn't... I did everything in my notes, but I didn't do that. We need the first Sunday in Advent. 
quickly pull up yesterday's notes because it's there. Monday's show notes. Reload. Yep, it takes a minute. Sorry, I had (laughs) closed that window because that was yesterday's notes. All right. The colic for the first Sunday in Advent. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now, the colic for peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Tuesday. i got to get to work on finishing my sermon for Sunday. You probably have stuff ahead of you today. I uh, wish you well in all of your endeavors as the day goes. As you go through the day, remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster. 